All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Bless you. Okay, let's pray. Father, I pray that tonight you would speak, that you would make your word come alive, that you would touch hearts of each of us in this room. Father, for those who still push against you and don't want you, I pray that you would draw them to your son. God, for those who just want you with everything, those of us that love you, help us to love you more. Father, I pray for those who just feel like they're kind of in the middle, draw them to Jesus. God, we give this time to you. We thank you that you love us. And I thank you, God, you're worth it. Thank you, God, that you want to meet with us. So, God, as we draw near to you, would you draw near to us according to your word? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Amen. I remember it was like, I remember like it was yesterday, and yet it was about 17 years ago this, this month. I was a youth pastor at the time in Southern California, and uh, I'd been at our, the church that I was at at the time. I'd been there for about a, about a year, give or take, maybe a little bit longer, and I was in my office working on things at the, on the church property, and my phone rang in the office, and it was my wife, and I didn't know why didn't she just call my cell, but she calls the office, and, and I remember I was standing up grabbing something. I was talking on the phone, listening, and, and she said, are you sitting down? And it wasn't. So I did. And maybe for some of you, you've heard these words. And these words still haunt you. Or the, Again, you, you feel like you remember every aspect or every feeling that you had. See, at the time, we had a two-year-old and a one-month-old. And I remember sitting there on the phone, and she said, I have cancer. And I was like, What? See, before Dylan was born, she had this lump on her neck, and we had it checked, and the doctor said, well, we didn't see anything, so if you want to have a kid, go and have a kid, and then when, and then when you have a kid, we'll, we'll take it out. Well, okay, we'll go with that. And I remember just sitting there on the phone when she said that, and I was so angry. My wife had to go to the appointment with our two-year-old and our one-month-old by herself. The doctor gave us no word, no warning, just... It's almost like at some point it felt like he forgot we're human. And so I I didn't know what to say, but I I knew I had to get home. I said, I'm I'm on on my way. And I hugged him the phone and I grabbed my stuff and I put my my sunglasses on because I had to get past my assistant. My assistant was this little old grandma. And she was the assistant for all the youth staff. 
middle school, the fifth and sixth pastor than me, and I mean, imagine grandma taking care of us. I mean, sometimes we break out into like sock wars. And here she is, it's like all these things passing by. She's like, duh, 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 duh. so she's, she's grandma, right? You can do whatever you want, but you always listen to grandma. But when it's time to stop, you pay attention. And her name was Marguerite. So I grab all my stuff and I get to the desk and all I want to say is, hey, Marguerite, I got to go. And she stops me. She, stu- she, is, she says, stop. She's don't argue with grandma. I said, what? I said, what do you need? She goes, what's the matter? I said, nothing. She goes, you're lying. What's the matter? And I told her, man, her heart, you could tell it's like starts to swell. I said, let's just, let's just get the whole staff together. I'll use the intercom. We'll get everybody. We'll pray. I said, Margaret, I got to get out of here. I said, I appreciate that, but I got to go. She goes, you have one minute to get out of the building and out of here. And then I'm calling the staff. I said, okay. So I start bolting down the stairs and I say bye to the receptionist. They have no clue where I'm going. I take off. And she did. She pulled the whole staff together. And they began to pray. And I remember jumping in the car and I drove to the next parking lot of our church and I parked. And friends, I wish that I could say that I, that I prayed something polite. Well, maybe I don't wish that. I'm so thankful that God has invited us to just pray honestly. I remember sitting there and I'm just bawling my eyes out and then I start getting mad at him. It's like, are you kidding me? My whole life's about you. And I told you on that altar that I'd protect her. You're not pulling your end of the weight. You're giving me the shaft. Everything's about you. And some may say, Brian, I would never talk to God like that. Isn't it weird that you'll think about him like that, though? As if he can't read what you're thinking anyways. Guys, read the Psalms. God invites us to be honest, not polite, not polite liars. And I remember there's this part in the book of Psalms that came to my mind. And it was a little bit of a jar, and it made me stop. Because there's a part where God looks at Job and says something like, Will you put me in the wrong so you can be in the right? And I wish I could say that at that moment. I said, you're right. I give you all praise. I love you. I trust you. I just got quiet, and I drove home. And I'm calling everybody on the way home. Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? I call my mentor. I call my parents. I'm just calling people. Would you pray? Would you pray? And I remember getting home and pulled the car into the garage, and we had this tiny little house, tiny little house. And right from the garage, you open the door, and there's this kitchen that's like this big. I mean this. This is about it. And I remember it. Here's my two-year-old at the kitchen table eating a hot dog. <laughs> That's right. And then, my, and then Dylan, he's over here on the floor of the kitchen. Well, not on the floor. He's in a carrier, but he's in, the, he's in this little car seat. And there's my wife at the sink. She's just washing dishes. And friends, I wish that I could say I was full of faith. You know what I thought? I didn't say these words, but here's what I thought. I thought, and I prayed this quietly in my, own, in my own head. I said, God, I don't know how to be a single dad. Because in my mind, it wasn't going anywhere good. And she turned around, and I just hugged on to her, and she hugged on to me, and Tyler ate a hot dog. And Dylan has no clue what's going on in life anyways. And I remember when she went into her first surgery to take her thyroid out and 
And then I remember not too long after that, she had to do what's called, uh, she had to have this, um, what was it called? How can I, Synthroid. I mean, it's not Synthroid, but she had to, not chemotherapy, but the other one. Radiation, thank you. But hers was just a pill. Radioactive iodine, it's one pill. And no joke, they brought it in this big, it's almost like, it looked like a suitcase. One pill. I remember before we got there, though, I remember we're in the driveway, and her parents had come down because she was going to have to go into the hospital and sit in this room by herself for a week. Which meant that this new little four-month-old, five-month-old, she would no longer ever get to nurse. And it broke her heart. But man, she stayed strong. Because there's Tyler, has no clues, just waving, just thinks everything's fine. And Dylan's just a little blob sitting right there. I remember I pulled out of the drive and she just kept waving and he's waving and she kept a smile on and waved until we turned the corner. And at that moment, friends, she just started beating her chest. She's like, it just hurts so bad. And I remember that. And I was so broken and I was so angry. My God, how could you do this? Of course, I just stayed strong. And I drove her. I remember standing in the hospital room and they bring that big suitcase in and they said, are you ready? And we're like, yeah. And then they gave us the rules. Like I could go visit her once a day if I wanted to, but picture, picture the, the hospital room. So say it starts at the end of this keyboard and the closest that I could get to her was this. I could go in for five minutes. I'd have to hold a monitor making sure that it said zero when I went in and it said zero when I went out. I did that one time, friends. I couldn't take it. It was easier. It was better to talk on the phone. She even agreed. Because I remember all that. Like it was yesterday. I remember when I thought that, I remember when we prayed for her again and we anointed her with oil at the church and leadership laid hands on her and then News came back and a scan came back clear and like, God, you healed her. And, and then I remember that the levels actually went up and I remember it felt like God just ripped it away. And I remember she said, hey, can we just go for a walk when we got that news? And we went for a walk about a three quarters of a mile, a mile away from where we were. And she said, can we just sit and pray? And these were my words. I said, I'm done. I'm done praying because I've tried and nothing happens. So if you want to pray, you pray. And she just prayed. And I kept my eyes open. I don't know if you noticed, I keep my eyes open when I pray. And, and she just said things, she said something like this. God, we prayed that the results would come back in a way that the doctors had no clue what's going on. And you answered that prayer. Guys, am I a blessed man or what? I heard that, and as she's crying, I just kept, and then I started to pray, God, this is your daughter. This is, I would never treat one of my kids like this. Guys, we walked through that. We had another surgery, and I could tell you a whole other story about how he, God provided for that surgery. And, but I'll tell you this, as hard as that was, and I'm thankful, and some, for some of you said to go, gosh, we had to watch our family, or maybe you had to go through it. Went through chemo, it was rough, and I'm so sorry. We didn't have to go through that. But it sucked. And I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't trade it. I don't want to do it again. 
but I would never trade it. Why? Because I never knew that my relationship with God could be like this. What about you? That for some of you, you heard that news or you've gone through the crisis or the circumstance that you never imagined. And yet your story might be different. See, Kelly came back and now it's been 17 years and I still get to do life with her and I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness in bringing me through and I'm so thankful for God's lessons through it because the thing that brought me most comfort, you know what it was? When people would come up and say, you, you know God loves you, right? And I would say, I know that he does, but in my mind it's like, I don't care. You know the thing that brought me the most comfort? You know the thing that, the lesson that I needed to learn through this whole thing is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That if God decided, hey, I'll heal her right now, he could. And I remember during that whole process when she went to go get another scan because they didn't know what they saw and so she came back with the results because I was watching the kids, they were taking naps. She walks in, I said, what'd they say? And she said it. They think they might have seen something on my brain. And then right after that, she goes, I have to go to the grocery store. And I'm like, what? A, you can't drop a bomb like that in my lap and then go buy salami. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You're like, this isn't fair. And then she went, and I'm sitting there. Boys are asleep. And the thing that popped in my head was a message that a buddy of mine preached. Probably a few years, a couple years before that. It flooded my mind. And he talked about that verse that, that Jesus, uh, when he said, if you want to be found worthy to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Have you heard that one before? And he said, a lot of people think denying self just means keep all the bad things away, and you can bear hug everything that's important to you that's good. He said, that's not denying self, that's just self-denial. Denying, denying self means this, everything that I bear hug, my family, like my relationship with my wife, my boys, the ministry I get to be part of, family, friends, all these things that are good. You don't bear hug anything. You give up everything. And I remember that, that motion. I remember sitting there on the couch, and that's flooded my mind. And at that moment, because I knew God was sovereign, because of what God had done in my life, through the lessons of circumstances that were so hard, I took my hands, and I slammed them on my lap, and I said, God, she's yours. She's yours. Who am I to keep her here if you want to take her home? Like if this is the route that we're going to go, then she's yours. But if you take her, you better help me with the pain. And at that moment, I was released. This is going to sound like I'm a heartless jerk. Guys, I didn't pray for her healing anymore. You know why? Because I had cast all my cares on him and knew, man, he cares for me. I prayed for comfort for her, for peace as she's going through it. But healing, I prayed. I'd asked. I could release that to him. It was this weird peace that I had. God, you've got her. She's yours. And the greatest thing she could ever experience is the presence of God face to face to see Jesus. But if you let me live with her, oh, come on. See, at some point, friends, we need to move away from what if Christianity and move into even if followers of Jesus. I feel like the most people, they just think that this following of Jesus is, well, what if this happens? Then I, maybe I won't do it, or maybe I will, I don't know. What if, what if? And we keep throwing that question to God, but what if this? And what if you don't come through with this? And what if this looks like this, instead of even if? God, even if, 
I'm in. Why? Because Jesus, you're worth it. See, in Daniel chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar sets up this massive image right after, well, a lot of scholars think there's actually 20 years between chapters two and chapter three. But he sets up this image and it's pretty much of himself. And he makes this rule. Hey, if anyone, once the music starts, everyone needs to dance around it. Or not, I'm sorry, not dance around it. Bow down before it. Just bow down. Anytime you hear all this, all this music, just bow down and worship. If you don't, then you'll be thrown into this fiery furnace. That's it. Guys, this is Nebuchadnezzar. He's a psychopath. And he's the most powerful person on the planet. When you hear the music, bow down. And if you don't, bow down to the thing that I made. Can you hear his ego? Then you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. So the music starts playing. Everyone bows down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what, guys, it's chapter three. This is the reason we know their name like that. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They hear this is the rule. And they make, the, they make the decision. Man, music plays, we're not going down. We will stand up. We will stand up and we will stand out. Followers of Jesus, there are times we kneel before our king in worship. And there are times we stand up and we stand out for our king in worship. The music starts to play. Everyone starts going down, except for these three. And all of a sudden, little tattletales come running up to Nebuchadnezzar and tell him, you know those Jews that you brought? Yeah, they're not going down. It's all out of jealousy because they got positions that they wanted. What are you going to do, Nebuchadnezzar? They're not bound down to what you said. This, this started in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every, every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And I wonder if that's the one line, if God's in heaven just listening. And Nebuchadnezzar says, and who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And I wonder if God's like, that's one step too far, friend. Challenge accepted. And then just took a step. Now watch their response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, this is what they said to the most powerful person on the planet. First of all, they first named him. They didn't say, oh, king. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Ding. These three, <laughs> these three guys got some sass. It's like, we don't have to answer you. It's almost like, we know you're human, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't have to answer you in this matter. Watch this. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. 
And then there's these three words, if you have the same translation I do, verse 18. But if not. We know he can. And we know it's some, in some way he will. But if not, follower of Jesus, are you that type of follower of Jesus? Because there's really no such thing as any other type. If not, even if, even if he doesn't, and we know you set this up, but he's told us don't do this. In fact, what you're worshiping is not a true God. Our God is a true God. Yours is fake. So yes, you could sit there and say, hey, what God will rescue out of my hands? And yes, there was this moment where you came in and you took us into captivity. And it looked like your God beat our God, which then is pretty much you created your God. So you feel like you, you beat our God. Oh, but Nebuchadnezzar, we won't bow down to something that's fake. We will not disobey our God. So he can, and he will. Follower of Jesus, do you have that type of faith? He can, I know he can, and he will, however he decides to do so. But even if not, even if we die today, we will not bow down. Followers of Jesus, the world needs to see those types of followers of Jesus. Guys, we need to stand out because we stand up. Look what happens. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. That's necessary. Like, think about it. He's like, <gasps> okay, I want the fire seven times hotter. Can you imagine anyone over here who's actually handling the fire going, why? The, the, the level one does the job. It's to burn something, and it's doing it. And then I'm thinking they're thinking it in their head, but here's Nebuchadnezzar, seven times, seven times hotter. Oh, okay, how do we do that? Just throw wood in, shut up. Just throw in more wood, okay. Oh, seven, it's seven times hotter. Why? Guys, this is a tantrum. And the problem is it's the most powerful person on the planet who can throw a tantrum, which really pre pretty much brings destruction to anyone around him. Hey, set this up seven times hotter, verse 20. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Why the strongest guys? Guys, all they had to do was tie some knots. Guys, Boy Scouts know how to do that. They learn how to tie knots. You have an eight-year-old. If an eight-year-old walks up, Boy Scout puts a rope around my wrist and really sets the knot in, I'm not breaking that thing off. It's a knot. He's like, oh, no, no. Get Bubba. <laughs> the dude with no neck, like his shoulders just popping up to his, get that guy. Just comes walking in. What do you need? Tie a knot. Tie a knot. I can't even get my hands together. <laughs> get the strongest guys to tie knots, to bind them, and then to throw them in the furnace. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent, the furnace overheated. The, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At what point do you realize, uh-oh, I just lost my best, my best soldiers. The guys that tied some knots, they died because I wanted seven times hotter. Whoops. 
and you chuck the guys into the fire. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Verse 23, and these men, or these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. I was thinking through this this morning before I, hang, before I hung out with the counselors, and then I was talking, I think, Johnny, wherever you're at, Johnny, I was talking, to this, like, hey, this whole thing about them keeping Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's like, why, why are they named that, but Daniel's not? Daniel's not Belteshazzar. Every time Daniel's mentioned, it's Daniel. Guys, the purpose of changing their name was to change their identity. If you change their identity, you change their thinking. Change their thinking, you change their behavior. Friends, whatever the world says about you, followers of Jesus, whatever the world says about you, whatever they name you, be followers of Jesus. Let them call you whatever they want. Guys, it's okay. But we still serve a king. They may degrade and put us down. It doesn't matter. How do we retaliate? We don't. Guys, we're not supposed to give back evil for evil or insult for insult. We leave it to God. What do we do? We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. Why? Because that's what our rabbi, that's what our master said and did. And we follow his lead. But what it does not mean is this. It does not mean that we cower and change so we aren't persecuted. Friends, the Bible says anyone who wants to live, live a godly life will be persecuted. That's why it is so necessary that we are really followers of Jesus and not just followers of an experience. We love him. He's worth it. Verse 24 then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we, not, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered, he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Dang. Who's this fourth one? Guys, there's this thing in the scriptures, there's this belief, this, this idea of, it's called a theophany. A theophany is Jesus pre-incarnate. Jesus showing up before he becomes a baby. So when Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, what God can save you from my hand? It's almost like, can't you just picture Jesus going, I'll be right back. Oh, this is going to be fun. I love these three. This is going to be so fun. And he shows up and he jumps in. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who jumps into the fire with us? Friends, understand this. He never told us that we would, have, that we would get out of the fire. He never told us that we would go around it, never have to go through it. But he promised us that he'd be with us in it. Guys, that's so key for us. Can you imagine him just stepping in? Guys, it doesn't say in the passage whether or not the three got to see him. I don't know. I sure hope they did. Guys, wouldn't that be a sweet reunion? Like, you, you're just standing there going, okay, this is it, guys. We're going to die. Thrown in. And Jesus is sitting there going, how you doing? Come on. And they're like, what the game time? Come on. How many of you would trash talk a little bit to Nebuchadnezzar? Like, you're in the fiery furnace. You're looking at him going, brr. Brr. So huddle up for warmth. Come on in. Oh, it's like sunbathing on the sun. It's awesome. 
Nebuchadnezzar's peering in. Guys, it is so important for us to see when he says, there are four, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. He looked different than the rest. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, again, they can call you whatever they want. And then he says this. Servants of the most high God. Friends, let people know we follow Jesus. Like whatever it takes. I am in for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. This is going to sound weird, but hear me out. Friends, I don't want you to be completely out of your mind committed to Christianity. <laughs> I want you to be all about Jesus. And when you're all about Jesus, you'll be all about his word and his beliefs. You'll automatically be about Christianity. It's the person of Jesus. He didn't come down a cross, come back from the dead so I could have some sweet beliefs about him. He did all of that so I could be with him, in love relationship with him. And he could be with me. Servants of the most high God, come out. And come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of those men. The hair of their heads, I hate that verse, I'm just joking. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, who has sent his angel and delivered his, his servants, who trusted in him. And set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Powerful. Guys, you remember when they went in the fire? Remember Bubba? Ties the knot, ties the, ties the rope, sets the knot, then dies. It's a horrible day at work. They go inbound. When they come out, it says nothing was singed. Like their hat was fine, they didn't smell like smoke, but what was the one thing that was gone? The rope. See, they, they came out unbound. For some of you, you feel bound by whatever that thing is. That sin that has so easily entangled you. Or what did it, for those of you that love Jesus, guys, you still can jump into sin. You can run from God and face to sin and play in the playground of sin, thinking that you're getting away with something. And then all of a sudden, it starts to entangle you. And you feel bound. Or maybe for others, just life hits. You've been following Jesus, just life hits. And you feel bound. Guys, you have to understand there is purpose in the affliction. The affliction is what burns that which binds us away. That's the purpose of it. Guys, don't think that it's this random thing that God's like, I'm really busy. I totally didn't see that happening. I'm sorry. I'll fix it. Friends, if God is sovereign, he's sovereign over all. He's not kind of sovereign. He's not kind of in control. He's in complete control. Guys, they go and bound, and they come out free. Why? Because they were in the presence of the Son. And he does the same thing for us. For those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus... And maybe they're starting to get a little bit interested about what this is. And I, I thank you for being honest through it and at least giving God a shot. 
And others of you just keep pushing again and say, that's fine. That's your call. I'm still going to beg you, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. But there's something happens when you encounter the Son. He frees you. And he starts working on the things that need to be worked on. And he'll stay faithful through that whole process. He won't give up on it. And he won't give up on you. Friends, you don't have to worry that at some point Jesus is going to go, I'm done. Dude, Brian, have you seen him? Slacker. He just keeps doing his thing. Yes, he yells about me. That's great. He sweats. That's fine. But no, this guy's driving me nuts. I'm done with him. Guys, he's not going to let go. When I gave myself fully to Christ, he gave himself fully to me. And he chose me before the time began. Guys, that's mind-blowing. He doesn't give up. He doesn't relent. Guys, he is beyond patient. He is for us, not against us. And because of him, we are more than conquerors. Followers of Jesus, man, we are more than conquerors. Things may come. I can stand against it. Why? Because I'm great? No, because God in me is great. Because God enables. God empowers. God helps. And that thing that you feel bound by, Jesus can take away. Friends, I think it's important when we look at passages like this and we see people who are willing to stand up for God to remember you sit there and go, but I could never do that. Really? I think you could. Again, not because you're great, not because I'm great, but because why? Because God in you is great. Friends, when we flip over to uh, Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 54, it's a passage where Stephen, who'd be the first martyr, do you know what a martyr is? A person who dies for something that they believe in. This is the first Christian martyr. He just got done blasting the religious leaders, gave them a history lesson, and then accused them, for, he accused them of killing God. That's pretty bold. You get to verse 54 of chapter 7, it says this. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Guys, I see a lot of places in the scriptures that talk about Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And I was chatting with Adam earlier in the counselor meeting. He said, hey, but remember, like he intercedes for us. Think about it right now. Jesus isn't just in heaven waiting for us to get there. I can't wait to see him. I hope they make it. Guys, he is praying for us. He is suffering on our behalf, even now. He prays for you. He intercedes for you. And then when the accuser comes and accuses you, Jesus steps in. No, 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 no. They're mine. So he's, he is for you, not against you. But when it comes to those passages to say, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the right hand. And here he's standing. Why? It doesn't say. I just have a conviction. Wouldn't you? Think about it. Here's one guy by himself. They're getting ready to kill him, and you know it. Wouldn't you stand in ovation and let him see 
where and who he gets to see next? Can you imagine just standing, going, that's it. Come on, face, look at me. Just look at me. Look at me. And Stephen just sitting there going, what the heck? Oh my gosh, I see heaven open. He, and he makes it known. I see heaven open. He tells the religious leaders what he gets to see. Those religious leaders didn't. I see the heavens open and I see the Son of Man standing. Oh, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. And he's sitting there going, I could never do that. But here's the, here's the key to it. But he full of the Holy Spirit. Guys, I'm convinced of this. When it's necessary, God will give you everything necessary to stand for him no matter what. Just make sure you answer the question, yeah, he's worth it. Jesus, give me what I need. Give me what I need. This is what happens next. 57, but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him, or rushed together at him. That's mature. Verse 58, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So what's so big about, what's so big about that? Who does he sound like? Guys, that's ex almost exactly what Jesus said right before he took his last breath. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. All this is, guys, as they're chucking rocks at him to kill him. This, the whole goal, keep throwing rocks until he takes his last breath. He sees heaven open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And then he says, oh, I give you my spirit. He's not even looking at anyone else. Verse 16, falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Who, second, the second thing he said, who's it sound like? Jesus. Guys, while they're driving spikes into the wrists and feet of Jesus, what is he saying? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Friends, you want to sound like Jesus? You want to look like Jesus? It's not all on you. It's the Holy Spirit in you who will give you everything to sound, to act, and to be like Jesus. Friends, he's all in. He's all in. Are you? Even if? This is for followers of Jesus. Are you in? Even if? That's what it means to follow Jesus. No matter what, I'm in. Why? Oh, Jesus, you're worth it. I'll close with this, this last thing, I promise. See, I don't want to think it's just one-sided. Okay, I have to make sure he's worth it, so I'm going to think through it. You ever wonder, well, what's, what's his thought about me? I remember there was a few years ago, um, usually like the night where we present the gospel and we allow you to make a decision, and, and I remember uh, it was at that point it finished and people had walked out, but the kids who wanted to stay back did, and I usually just bolt down the steps and take off to the back. And I think that year the steps were right here, so I came down, I was gonna go down the middle, and I usually just sit in the back to watch, just to see what God's doing. So I made it to about right here, and this young 15-year-old kid comes walking up, he says, Brian, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, so I sat down, and he goes, and it wasn't even a question, he just makes a statement, he goes, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't feel worthy. And I looked at him and I went, because I had just explained the cross, everything that God went through, he said, I don't feel worthy. I said, you're not. 
And Mochoki goes, okay, thanks. And he starts to walk away. And so I grabbed him by his shoulder. He's like, get away, get away. I said, wait, 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 listen, listen, listen. I said, Betty, you're not worth it. No, I'm not sorry, you're not worthy. Whoa. <laughs> I did this one other time. Dang it. I just blew it all. All right, here we go. I looked and said, hey, you're not worthy. I'm not worthy. Like when we start looking at God going, hey, I'm worthy of it. Guys, pride can jump in, but here's the thing. I just screwed that up. Here we go. Ready? I said, dude, you're not worthy. But the cross is Jesus' declaration that you're worth it. I'm not worthy of what he did. It's mercy. His mercy brought that. His grace. Guys, I'll say for myself, I'm not worthy of anything that God has done for me. Nothing. Friends, I'm, I deserve hell. Separation from God. My sin deserves that. But the cross is God's declaration saying, you're worth it. You're worth it. So when I ask you that question, is Jesus worth it? Think through it. And I, guys, always be honest. Like you're sitting there going, not yet, but I'm listening. Or others like, not at all. Nothing's changed. And you might even say that with kind of a little arrogance, and that's okay. The hound of heaven knows what he's doing. He's never worried about that. But for those, he says, hey, is he worth it? You go, yeah, I think he is. He's worth it. I want you to know that he says the same thing about you. It's not one-sided. You're worth it. Is he, even if. Can I pray? Can I pray for us? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you deem us worth it. God, I'm not worthy. I'm still not worthy. I never will be worthy. I am so thankful that you saw past me. You saw past my sin. Maybe that's a better way to word it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you that you did what you did. And thank you that you've invited us to be followers of you no matter what. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would build up within us this boldness that's dripping in grace. Boldness dripping in grace. That we would never walk in arrogance against those who don't know Jesus. But we would never fold. We would never fold or cower back, that we would always stand up and stand out when we're supposed to because you're worth it. God, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you more than you know. Amen.